Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs and I've been in business since 1994. Purpose of this podcast is to get to the real deal and answer questions about what works and most importantly, why it works, hence the name, The Method to the Madness. Today, I'm going to talk about functional training, like what that really means. It was a question from somebody and uh, they wanted me to go over it. I think it's a great question. I will get to that in a second. Let me first thank Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They are the best real estate company in Volusia County. And let me tell you, every time I open up social media, they're selling another house. I mean, two a day from their team, that's pretty darn good. The market's changing and you really need professionals to help you get that house sold. So if you need any help, reach out to me or reach out to them. 386-451-2412. All right. So let's talk about functional training. That seems to be one of the big buzzwords of the last, say, half decade or so. Um, it's maybe, ah, we might go back since uh, the origins of CrossFit to where people started talking more and more about functional training. So for those that don't really know what I'm talking about, let me give you a backstory. People on the internet like to throw around different like styles of training or things that they're trying to push to be most important than other things. And uh, functional training was one of them. And I'm not downing on functional training. I'm going to talk about like what it really is from an expert standpoint and why it is important. But I just want to make sure that people really understand what that is. But there's a big, there was a big push around the CrossFit era when they first started getting going. And uh, I'm not bashing CrossFit by any means. Um, you know, it's not anything that uh, I've done or anything, but I know some people that compete at it and enjoy it. And if it keeps you more fit and, and all that, then more power to you. But, you know, some of the things certain camps will come out and say just aren't true. And I'm not blaming them for all this. There's been a lot of uh, misinformation regarding this, but it, they do, CrossFitters do a lot of different events like traditional old fashioned weightlifting exercises like clean and jerks and snatch. Those are weightlifting movements where you pick the bar up off the ground and either bring it to your chest or over your head. They do a lot of different styles of pull-ups and um, push-ups and burpees and basically like a lot of calisthenic and barbell exercises. So one of the ways they were trying to get it going, say as a business, not a style, but as a business, was talking about how people should train more functionally, meaning exercises like that versus, say, doing machine exercises at the gym, which they called basically non-functional exercises. So that's one of the ways the uh, the old functional training thing got pushed. And then there was just other strength conditioning coaches on the internet that talk about it. All right. So that's kind of the backstory. 
But the problem is a lot of people then throw that around and say, oh, I'm only doing functional training. So here's a good example. Um, we had somebody text the gym, I don't know, a month ago or so, and it was like a Google uh, referral search of sorts. They got the name off the internet, went to the website. And uh, I mean, we're full anyway, as a gym, as a personal training business. So we try to make room when we can for referrals, but we absolutely do not take people we don't know just because we're full and we really want to make sure it's the right fit. But I'm always very, you know, cautious how I respond. I don't want to come across as arrogant or whatever. So I always respond friendly and tell them that there is a waiting list and that uh, we're not taking clients right now and all that good stuff. And uh, the person responded back and said, oh, okay, thank you. Um, before I seek to be on the waiting list, can you tell me if you do functional training? So like, and she explained that she was older and was told she needed to do that and all this kind of stuff. And like I said, this is just a referral and a text. So I wasn't about to get into a lot of information or prescribe exercise. When I don't know somebody, I simply, my answer back was I'm an exercise physiologist and I prescribe the right kind of exercise, whatever my client needs at the time. And I left it at that. I wasn't going to get into Pandora's box of, you know, whether or not I think she's doing the right thing. So there is a lot of talk around it. People talk about it, but I don't think they understand it. Okay. So first let me say this. So CrossFit or anybody else doesn't have a, uh, a patent on, uh, functional training. So, what functional training really is, is are the strength training exercises you're doing improving your mobility, improving your strength, improving you? Now, we have to be very clear that almost all, if not all, strength training does that. So I don't like when I hear people say, don't use selectorized machines like a leg extension, leg curl lat pull down, whatever. You don't hear that one as much because it's more of a compound exercise, but isolation exercises, dumbbell flies, even, oh, you know, that's not functional. It's like, well, muscles for one are extremely functional, meaning the more muscle mass we have, the more quality life we have. Now, more and more studies have come out and shown that, that one of the greatest precursors to having a good adult senior life is having more muscle mass. So like after the age of 35, our body starts to go through sarcopenia if we don't work out, meaning age-related muscle mass loss. So that doesn't have to happen. So if we strength train, that's going to happen less and less. And you really can maintain your muscle mass very well if you do that. So number one, all muscle building is functional. There's not like certain exercises that you're going to say, oh, that's a functional exercise. That's not a functional exercise. Now, we could say there are more functional exercises and that's fine. But to say one is functional and the other isn't is really silly. So again, it's semantics with the words. But let me give you an example. Let's say somebody has anterior knee syndrome or chondromalacia that's a problem of the patella underneath the kneecap and it's in slang terms we call it runner's knee what that means is the vastus medialis oblique the muscle over the knee has 
atrophied and it's allowing the patella to slide a little bit, causing knee pain. The treatment is strengthening that specific muscle of the vastus medialis oblique. The only way you can do that is with a good leg extension exercise. And the only way you can really, really target that is with a leg extension machine. So you're going to tell that runner that a quad extension isn't a functional exercise. That's really silly. And I know the semantics, I know they don't necessarily mean it that way, but at the same time, every strength exercise can be functional. It depends on what you need. Now, what I'd rather see people talk about is the beauty of making sure they don't shy away from what we call compound exercises because they are important and they are what we call functional. So a compound exercise uses more than one joint, so more than one muscle at a time. For example, the granddaddy of them all is a squat. And a squat is a compound exercise because it's working the joints of your hips and knees, which means, because if you remember from past podcasts, that it's the muscles that move the limbs. So every time you have multi-joints, you have multi-muscles. So that means that you're involving not only your glutes and quads, but your hamstrings. And you're also involving your calf muscles and core muscles for stability. So you're getting a whole lot of bang for your buck when you do a squat. We call that a compound exercise or multi-joint exercise. And it is very important to do those if you can. Now, sometimes we have people who are very deconditioned. They have trouble getting out of chairs. And at that moment in time, they can only do what we call single joint or isolation exercises until their quads and hamstrings get stronger. So they will do like a leg extension and they'll do a leg curl because they can do seated exercises and build up those muscles. But once they do, we do like to get them into a squat form of exercise one way, shape or form because look, there's nothing more functional for an ambulatory person than getting up out of a chair. I mean, that's important, right? You got to be able to get up and move. So a squat in that sense is very functional, but I'd rather people, instead of like throwing that word around, just understand the importance of compound exercises because a lot of people shy away from them. And all they are is just involving more joints and more muscles than a singular joint or singular muscle exercise. That's all they are. And it simply means you can get more bang for your buck, meaning more efficiency. So another one compound exercise is a press, a chest press or a bench press or even a push-up. That's a compound exercise because you're moving two different joints. Again, you're moving your elbow joint, you're moving your shoulder joint. And in the case of a pressing motion like that, you're working your pectoralis major, your anterior deltoids, and your triceps. So you're involving three different muscle groups. And that's really important because that is your pushing muscle group. Like let's say, you know, you're on the floor, you gotta go. Well, you know, push yourself up, right? You're going to push your way through a crowd, hopefully not too aggressively, right? But we do need to be able to push. So really, if we think about the compound movements as multi-joint exercises, then, and this goes back to a podcast I talked about before, where 
the big three is always going to be a squat push pull. Like that's the big three. And then we want to add in a hinge, a lunge, and a rotation. All right. So that means that we're really involving the major movements of the body. And for all of those movements, there's major exercises. So for example, the squat would be the squat exercise. It could also be a leg press. The upper body push is going to be what I just described, the chest press, the bench press, the push-up. The upper body pull is going to be a row or a pull down or a pull up. And then a hinge is like a back extension or a deadlift. Like that is a functional movement. How many times do you go through the day without picking something up? I mean, and if we learn how to do that properly by pushing our butt back by a slight knee bend, by making sure we keep our spine straight when we pick it up, yes, even if it's a piece of paper, because a lot of times people hurt their backs just doing silly movements with no weight, just kind of carelessly bending down, but we do it all day long. And if we strengthen that exercise, that area, that's an extremely functional movement. And then we have a lunge style, which just simply means like a single leg in a split position squat. Can everybody do that? No, not everybody can do that, but there's variations people can do. That could be a step up, right? So a step up or just steps that's very, very functional. Steps are hard. Even for very fit people, you will see them start to get a little bit gassed going up a bunch of flights of stairs. Steps are hard. It's very functional, right? How many times do I go to an event? Now, the, the latest one I can think of is when I went to a magic game a couple weeks ago. And there's this huge escalator that goes up to the second level. And then you go up from there. And so many people are on it. And then I look at the stairs and it's empty. Literally. I do it even though, like, <laughs> you know, we all have a lazy side. I'll go, oh, I can get up there so much faster. But it's like, you know... I rag on people all the time for not taking the stairs. So I've got to practice what I preach. So I'll go up them. But some people don't go up them because they can't. And that's sad. So we want people to be able to go upstairs. It's very important. And so any form of step up or single leg squat like that is an extremely functional exercise. And then we're constantly rotating our body all day long, turning from left to right at the spine. We have to make sure we're strengthening that as well. So like those are what we in the industry as strength conditioning coaches and certified personal trainers call functional movements. Like those are what we call functional movements. So a squat, press, a push, a lunge, a deadlift or a hinge and a rotation like that is functional because that's very important for activities of daily living or ADLs. And if we do those movements, we're training every muscle in the body as far as the big major muscle groups. So that's very, very important. Other people are going to call, you know, certain silly movements. So, you know, I'm going to call them silly because they call them functional. Okay. And again, I'm not going to bash on CrossFit or whatever, because there's good things that they do. But some people will say, oh, I'm going to do a clean and jerk because it's very functional. Now, clean and jerk is a movement where you pick up a barbell from the ground and explode up because it has to be a lot of technique. And it's very hard, by the way. And I'm not saying there's not value to it. There's just value to it for, you know, maybe people that do uh, power sports. But for the average person, there's no function at all. But anyway, they explode up to their chest and then they do a jerking motion to press it over their head. That's clean and jerk. 
So, you know, a lot of people in that camp will say, oh, it's functional. I'm looking at a gun. How on earth is this functional? I mean, it's not even functional for football players. And I see that a lot. Like I'll see strength conditioning coaches work for these teams. I try to follow a lot of them because it's interesting. I like to see what people are doing. And they'll say, we're doing these functional movements in the gym today. We're only going to do weightlifting movements, a clean and jerk and power clean. So I'm like, that is not functional. Like, I get it. You're trying to work on explosiveness, but don't call it functional. I mean, if you're a football player, the greatest function they're going to do is run. They're going to sprint. I mean, sure, they have to lift weights to get stronger so they can do those things, but this isn't functional. Like functional is supposed to have a sports specificity function to it, meaning that it should match what you're doing. So like a squat is extremely functional because you are getting up and out of chairs all day long. A hinge is extremely functional because you're bending over all day long. You're going to pick things up. You're bending down in your car. You're getting out of your car. A push and a pull is extremely functional. Steps are extremely functional. But some of these other things, and I'll hear people say that like kettlebell swings. Oh, it's a functional exercise. I'm like, how's that functional? Is it, can it potentially be hard? Yeah, definitely not one of my favorite ways to train the spinal extenders by any means. So, but you have to watch terminology with people. You have to be careful. And I don't think... Enough people take time to break things down, either break down the word itself or break down what the spirit behind the rule was, so to say. Like if somebody says functional is good and everybody jumps on it and then you get back to the root of the matter of who started saying it. And usually they were well-meaning and you can ask them and they'll say, well, all I mean is like exercises that match your daily functions. I'm like, well, exactly. But then people, and it's usually the people in the middle, it's usually the people without the highest levels of qualifications and not the lowest either, because the lowest tend to be more like sponges and will ask good questions and they just want to know. And the ones that know, know. But then it's sometimes the people with just a little bit of information. And I think you probably could see this in all of the industries and whatever industry you're in, you could nod your head and go, oh, well, that's true. It's like people with just a little bit of knowledge you know, are going to all of a sudden have this major opinion and start telling people what to do. We got to watch out for that. Like there's a reason why pros do this. And as I've said before, it's too easy to break into this industry, but there is a reason why pros do it. So that's a great question. Keep them coming. As I've said before, it's my favorite thing to do on these podcasts. You know, I don't like sitting around going, what haven't I talked about in a while? I'd rather really get questions that are going to help you. I mean, this podcast is here to serve and to help and to spread the good word. So keep them coming. Now let me thank Overhead Door of Daytona Beach, the area's best overhead door garage company, bar none, best product and best customer service. Jeff and Zach Hawk own the local company and their clients and friends of mine, and they're phenomenal and they're always helping out. I still remember when Zach brought me in a uh, garage door uh, opener because mine was shot and I didn't like the one I found at Lowe's and he told me it was a piece of junk and he just brought me one in. I don't even have an overhead door because the uh, home I bought didn't have one. If it was my choice, it would. And he brought one in and said, here you go. I'm like, oh, wow. And then he showed me how to program it. I mean, it's stuff like that that like really, really matters. It matters to me. So give them a shout if you need any help at Overhead Door Daytona. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com.